You know, I mean, he had Benny come up here and stand on the chair, and then he he wrapped his arms and his leg around him, and he clung to him. He clung to him tightly. He held on for all that he's worth. That's what it means to abide, to cling to, to depend upon, to never let go, to to trust in, to follow. But Jesus says that we we are not we will no longer remain in darkness, but instead we will abide in, believe in, trust in, and follow Him. They will recognize that they are sinners under the just wrath of a holy God. They will see Christ's sacrificial death on their behalf on the cross as a substitute, as a ransom that is paid for their sin, and they will run to Him. This is inevitably what it means when He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So what does he mean when he says, I am the light? What's so significant about light? Light is an Old Testament symbol that is used to describe heavenly luminaries, such as the sun, the moon, and stars, which are under the sovereign control of God. Light denotes holiness and purity. It's associated with goodness, with truth, with life. It's used to describe God's Word. Remember that familiar Psalm 109, 105. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But most often, it's used to represent God's divine presence and His salvation for His people. It reveals the presence and work of God. So to come to the light is to come to God. To believe in the light is to receive God's gracious salvation. To be in the light is to dwell with God. And I want us to think about the context of when Jesus says this. He says this on the last night of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was a time where all the Jews gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate God's provision and deliverance for the Israelites as they were moving through the wilderness. God had had freed them from their slavery in Egypt, and now they were wandering through the wilderness. And God led them as a pillar of cloud and fire, a pillar of light. And what they would do is everybody would gather together, and on the last night, they would light these huge, colossal lampstands, and people would carry torches around, and they would dance, and they would celebrate. And everywhere you looked, there was light. And the light was so brilliant that it diffused as a glow over the entire city. If you actually stood outside of Jerusalem and you looked upon it, you would see this aura of light that descended upon the city, this glow which represented in very powerful ways God's presence, His deliverance, His provision, His protection. You know, today we can look at at city skylines. You know, we could go up to Chicago and at night we could look at the, at the city all lit up and it would be really beautiful and awe-inspiring. You know, I remember probably the, the neatest sense that kind of captures this. If you've ever been to Albuquerque, New Mexico, there's something about the atmosphere there, whether it's the dust in the air or the barometric pressure or whatever, but it, it, the light diffuses in a strange way so that there's this glow. And as you descend in the valley, because 
Albuquerque is kind of below, you see this huge glow up around the city, like nothing you've ever seen. It's like no other glow I've ever seen. And that's kind of what happens here. You, you get this real picture of God's presence. And it's there with this light all around, this diffusing glow that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's saying this aura that you see around you, this light that is everywhere, this is a symbol of me. I am God's salvation. I am God's deliverance. I am God's divine presence. That's what Jesus means when he says, I am the light of the world. Furthermore, he says, I am the light, not a light. Jesus, again, makes an exclusive claim here. I mean, we've looked at it before. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. No one, He is the only way to have light. And no one, um, and the only way to dwell in the presence of God is through Him, Jesus, the true light. But He's also the source of life. That's another thing He means when He says, I'm the light. Just like when we look at, at, uh, at the world around us, there is no life apart from light. If we didn't have light, we wouldn't have vegetation. If we didn't have vegetation, we wouldn't have animals. And you and I would not be able to exist apart from light. We need light. And so when Jesus says, I am the light, he's saying, I am the, your means of spiritual life. You would not have life apart from me. And then he dramatically illustrates this a little bit later in chapter 9 when he heals the man who was born blind. Here's a man who has never been able to see, who has spent his entire life literally walking in darkness. And Jesus gives him the light of life and he is able to see. He can behold the light. Apart from Christ, we are born blind and we will remain blind. Those who have received God's grace by faith are given the light. They will receive spiritual life that will continue from the moment they first believed throughout all eternity. Because darkness cannot overcome the light. When we talk about light and darkness of good and evil, we're not talking about sort of this this dualistic, impersonal forces of good and evil at, at work in the world. We're not... We're not referring to that same thing like in Zoroastrianism or Gnosticism or Buddhism. No, this is different. God always overcomes darkness. He always overcomes darkness. The Bible is clear. Light conquers. I mean, God, in His authority, sent darkness over, uh, over different places to, to punish them. To show that he had judged them. I mean, he did that with Egypt as they held the Israelites captive. He did that at the crucifixion to show his judgment over sin. God has authority over darkness. Isaiah 45 7 says that God created darkness, and as we just read in John 1 5, the light shines out of the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. And then Revelation. At the end of all things, when, when people are restored to God again, and we dwell in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no darkness. And there will be no need for sun or moon or stars because the glory of the Lord will be the light for His people. 
So Jesus is the light who reigns over darkness. It cannot keep him in check. He cannot be overcome. He is the light which invades and conquers the world. And just one quick thing about this of the world. He's not only the light, but he's the light of the world. You see, the Jews mistakenly believed that they were the people of God. They were the children of light. But Jesus says, no, I am the light of the world. I am the light for both Jew and Gentile. There is no distinction. There is no race. There is no gender. There is no socioeconomic status that is excluded from receiving the light of the world. The light is available to all who believe, to all who would follow him, to all who would receive the gift of faith. Jesus, the true light, which enlightens everyone, every people from every tongue and tribe and nation, has come into the world. So how wonderful is it to know that in a world of darkness, we can have the light of life through Jesus Christ. Yet I want to be clear that he is truly the light, thirdly, for those who follow him. You know, following and believing are synonyms. If we truly believe, we must follow Christ. We must become his disciples. We must deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow him. You know, John 12, 46, we look at it, it says, those who believe in Jesus will not remain in darkness. And here in this passage, he says, Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And I hope you can see the parallel here. Those who believe in Jesus will not remain in darkness. Those who follow Jesus will not walk in darkness. You can exchange one for the other. They mean the same thing. So belief is not simply some intellectual assent to certain principles. It's not blindly holding to some impersonal theoretical truth like Einstein's theory of relativity. No, faith, belief, requires deep personal commitment. Have you all ever heard of the great Blondin? He was a a famous... uh, tightrope artist in the late 1800s. This man, his claim to fame was that he stretched a rope, an 1,100-foot rope across Niagara Falls, and he used to walk this thing back and forth. And each time he added some new theatrical version. You know, the first time it was good to just walk back and forth. People were happy with that. Eventually he got to where he blindfolded himself, he put a sack on his head and do it. He even he used stilts and did it, and one time he even walked up there halfway, he sat down, he cooked an omelet and ate it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he did things like you know, the wheelbarrow trick too, you know, walking out there with a the wheelbarrow and everything. And people were, they became fanatical about Blondin. And there was this one reporter that came up to him, and this reporter was a great enthusiast. He loved Blondin. He thought that this guy was the greatest thing ever. And he was interviewing Blondin, and Blondin said, you know what, I'm thinking about doing this wheelbarrow trick, but this time I want to put a man in the wheelbarrow and walk across this, this tightrope. And, that, and the reporter's like, that's great, that's awesome. And uh, Blondin says to him, hey, do you believe that I can do that? And the reporter says, yeah, I believe that you are the greatest stunt artist of all time. Absolutely I believe that you can do it. So Blondin again, he asks him, do you truly believe that I can do that? And the reporter said, yeah, yeah, I do. So Blondin said, here's the wheelbarrow. Get in it. Get in the wheelbarrow. 
See, there's something different between saying we believe something as some impersonal theoretical truth and having a personal commitment in Christ. There was a man later on who would cling to Blondin as Blondin carried this man on his back 160 feet above Niagara Falls. That is personal commitment. So the question is really, which one are you? Are you that reporter, that enthusiastic reporter, who theoretically says, yeah, I believe that you can do it, but when the rubber meets the road, I'm not willing to get in the wheelbarrow. Or are you that man who is abiding in, who is clinging to the back of Blondin, trusting his life to this man as he walks across the tightrope? That's the difference between true faith and that which is false. You know, we can sit here and we can listen to sermons where we talk about Jesus being the light. And we could be so close that we can see the glow of the light. We could be so close that we can actually feel the heat of the light. But we never walk in the light. We never truly walk in the light. Maybe we're afraid of our deeds being exposed. Maybe we're still clinging to, loving, walking in darkness. Maybe we're not truly willing to submit ourselves to follow Jesus wherever he may lead. But friends, that is faith. That's what it means. Clinging to, abiding in, following Christ. So I pray that you would come into the light. I mean, if you are sitting here and you realize, you know what? That's not me. That's really, that's not me. I've been standing here and I've been looking at the glow of the light for a long time, but I've never walked in it. Then I pray that you would come and talk to us. Help us to, to help you to know the gospel, to live in the gospel. To live in the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. That's what we want to do. So don't leave here today if you realize that is you. You know, the way we come to him, the way we persevere in the faith, the way we follow Christ is by abiding in his word. Jesus says later in this chapter, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Again, he says in 2 John chapter 2, that, if ev- that everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. But whoever abides in his teaching, his doctrine, has both the Father and the Son. To follow Christ, to truly have the light of the world, we must abide in him and his, and his word. We must follow him. And this results, fourthly, in the fruit of faith. Jesus promises that all who believe in him will be children of light. They can have the assurance of having life in him. And as we've seen throughout this sermon series, that eternal life doesn't just happen when we die. But it is an ever-present reality from the moment that we first believe. Light. The light of life belongs to all who follow Christ. The light has its effect in the lives of all who believe in Him. 
Just as the light is a symbol for holiness and for purity, for goodness and for truth, it has that same effect in us. You realize the light is transformative. It changes us. We grow in godliness and holiness as we have the light. And we grow more and more like the light. That is what it means to have the light of life. We are transformed by it. You know, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says that for God, who let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And as we continually behold the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. We continually progress, making steps, being transformed into the likeness of Christ, the light of the world. Children of light will walk in the light. They will become more like Christ. They will love one another. They will grow in godliness and holiness. They will more and more reflect the light of Christ to others. So you see, not only are we given transformed lives by this light, but we actually become light. This is amazing. As we walk in the light, as we reflect the light of Christ in our lives, as we abide in His Word and follow His teaching, we become light to others who are walking in darkness. As Matthew said, Jesus has fulfilled being the light of the world. And so now we become the light of the world. We are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. A people, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, if Christ, who is the light of the world, is in you, you are now the light of the world. You share in the mission of Christ to proclaim the good news of the gospel so that God might be glorified, so that those who walk in darkness might not do so any longer. All who are believers in Christ have been called, we've been elected, and we've been made children of light for a purpose. It's not just to bring salvation to us. It's that God might be glorified in the transformation of lives of others. Not just ours, but the believing community and the world around us. We have this privilege of being the light of Christ in this world of darkness. So this is the charge we have received. And it's a great privilege. And I hope you praise God for it. I hope you don't consider being lights in the world to be a burden. Because... If you are, the reality is you're, look, you're trying to make your own light and you're trying to be that light for other people rather than trusting in, hoping in, depending upon, clinging to the light that is in you. But when you do, when you truly abide in that light, when you truly walk in that light, God, friends, being light in the world is, is a joy. So I pray that you might recognize the light of Christ in you, that you have the light of the world, and that you might be the light of the world. You know, this morning we're going to end our time a little bit differently. 
we are going to have a, a brief candlelight service. Um, you know, candlelight services are pretty common around Christmas time. They're always really nice. But I want us to do something more than hold a candle and sing Silent Night. I want us to reflect upon Christ being the light of the world and what that means for us. Okay? I mean, this is significant stuff. I want us to see the implications. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and turn off the lights now. If somebody could grab the lights back there and over here and up here. See, look at that. I'm going to go ahead and turn them all the way off. Friends, this room is dark, right? But it's not completely dark. But I want, I want you to kind of picture this room as the world. This is the darkness that encompasses the world. But Jesus has invaded this darkness. He's come as the light of the world, giving a hope of light in Him. You know, one of those things that I'm amazed with about light is that, you know, Jesus could have come in an instant and like a thousand beacons of light could have lit up this room and removed any darkness at all. But God in His wisdom didn't do that because that would have meant judgment. But here, as, as Christ has come, as He's taken on flesh, as He's come as light of the world, invading the darkness, He's come in such a way to show God's, God's grace, God's mercy, as well as His justice. And He's given us the privilege of participating in light with Him. So what we're going to do is we're going to come up, all of those who are truly trusting in Christ, who are believing in Him, who have received the light of the world, I want you to come up and grab a candle. And I want, to, I want you to light it from this one candle. Because Jesus is the true light that enlightens all who believe. So I'm going to have Joe play a song. And I want this to be a reflective time. I want, I want you to think about the significance of Christ being the light. And as you come up, reflect upon this greatness. Come on. So wonderful The angels long to see The emperor of its search to find The glory we have seen revealed You shone upon the earth But who will understand You came unto your own
Take a look at your light. Take a look at that. Do you realize that this is a reflection of Christ in you? Do you realize that if you are holding this light, your sins have been forgiven. And you have the hope of eternal life. You know, friends, this candle doesn't really represent completely the light that's in you. Because this candle will actually fade. It'll burn out over time. If we hold it long enough, it'll eventually go out. But the light of Christ that is in you will continue to go brighter and bigger. And it will illuminate more and more and more that we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. So as you continue in your Christian life, as you walk in the light, you should see yourself growing more in holiness and godliness. You should be growing more like Christ, conformed more and more to His image. And so I want you to take a moment to examine your hearts. How have you been dealing with this light that's in you? Do you truly recognize that it's there? Do you take that light and try to cover it up? Try to hide it? Do you try to hold it out beside you and try to keep one foot in the light and one foot in darkness? Or are you fanning it into flame? Is it growing? Friends, I want to take a moment. And if you found that your life in any way is not resulting in this light burning brighter, that you confess that now. And make a commitment to fan it into flame. To become more like the light of Christ that's in you. Father, we thank you that you have given us this light. That Christ does indeed dwell in our hearts, forgiving us of our sin and giving us the hope of eternal life and restoration with you. And God, we ask that we will not forget that Christ is in us. We ask that by your grace we might grow more and more like him. That our light will illumine the darkness more and more, that we will walk in the light, that we will turn away from darkness and seek Him with all our hearts, that we will cling to and depend upon and run to Christ and so be transformed into His image. And we thank you for Christ. Now I want you to look around you. Look at the light of other people. When you look at them, do you see the light of Christ in them? You know, Jim, when you look at Caleb, Caleb, when you look at Judy, Judy, when you look at Ann, Ann, when you look at Polly, Polly, when you look at Joe, do you see Christ? 
Or do you see just another person? Do you make distinction between your brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are still walking in darkness? Friends, the only way we can truly function as the body of Christ, the only way that we can truly love one another, the only way that we can truly have fellowship is that when we see one another, we see the light of Christ in one another. And when we do, it unifies everything. There's no race distinction. There's no gender distinction. There's no socioeconomic distinction. We are just brothers and sisters in Christ. We all share the light. Part of the body. This is a great gift. And I I want you to not only see that, but to fan it into flame. I want your interactions with one another to be what, what God wants. And that is that we build one another up. That when we see one another's flame, that we fan it all the more. That we build one another up. That we together grow in Christ-likeness to become more like Him. To abide in His Word. And finally, we are the light of the world. We receive the light of the world so that we might be light in the world. Friends, we get to participate. We receive Jesus as the light of the world so that we might participate in His mission. To be lights in the midst of darkness. And so I'm going to read a few passages to help us to reflect upon this. And these can serve as our benediction. Philippians 2.15 You are to be children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. A dark generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In Acts 26.18, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Friends, we are to be lights in the world. And so we're going to end this way. We're going to stand up and we're going to walk out of here to symbolize that we are going out as lights. That that is our mission. That is our purpose. That is what God has given us the privilege to participate in. To proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Let's do that now.